understanding. Help us to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Today we're going to be talking about um, something that Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. At one point he started to say that I may know him. And when you look at Paul, at that point in time he was saying that I was wondering why would Paul, Paul who has written so many letters to different people and at this point is beginning to say that I may know him? Is it that he has never known God before or what could make him come to a point where he's saying that I may know him? So I realized that it was a deeper knowledge of God he was talking about. We're going to read that scripture just plainly and, and look at it. We're going to read it from the Amplified Version and then we're going to go to the one that I really love, the message. Anytime something looks a little tough for you, if you go check it up on the message, they really break it down and it's just normal English. In fact, they are beginning to speak uh, the English of teenagers even. I was reading one particular scripture and I had to go look at it again and I said, what? This is like today's language. So let's look at uh, Philippians chapter 3. We're just going to look at 10 and 11 for now. And it says, that I may know him. Uh, yeah, that's it. That I may know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, and in that same way experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers, that's you and I, and that I may share, that is, partake, the fellowship of his sufferings, that's heavy, by being continually conformed inwardly into his likeness even to his death, dying as he did, hmm, so that I may attain to the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. That's heavy. Uh, recently, I visited pastor and his wife at home, and my intention was to say some things to him. Then he started sharing with me why he was doing some of the things he was doing. And I left there convinced that this is a man who knows God. Period. He knows God and he can actually place himself in this scripture because Paul was writing this when he was in jail. He was in prison. The whole of Philippians, then, it wasn't just one letter. It was like four letters and he was writing it while he was in jail. He was suffering. I don't care what kind of jail it is. Some people will say the American jail system is better than the African jail system. Jail is jail. It means you're either locked up somewhere or you are restricted, even if it's in your home and they said you're under house arrest. Just think about it for a second. You don't have the right to go outside of your door. When you have the right and you choose not to go, that's a different case. But when you don't have that right, they took that right off you, that's a problem. So Paul was in this place in jail and he was still writing to the people outside, if you read the whole of Philippians, 
you'll just be amazed that, what? This guy still... Some people would have just abandoned God or said, you know, I, I don't care whatever God uh, has in store, but I'm suffering right now. He was going through a very, very tough time. And he was staring at the tough time and ignoring it and saying he doesn't even care if he dies. If you read the whole of that uh, chapter and the whole of uh, Philippians, I, I would read it as one, you know, at one stretch. Just go ahead and read it at, at one stretch. And you understand better that this guy was going through a tough time. But he did not allow that change his perspective. He was looking to know God the more. Some people would have said to themselves, the God that I said I know has allowed me to be in this jail. So why should I pursue him? Why should I follow after him? Why should I... Uh, lean towards him, try to know him more. Then from the message, he says, I gave up, same scripture, I gave up all the inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead. I wanted to do it. That was what Paul was saying. He's saying, I have given up all those inferior stuff. And if you go ahead and look at that chapter 3, 1 through 9, he was talking about the things he called inferior. What were those things? He was talking about all the things he had attained, all the education, the position, his birthright, Everything he has attained in life, everything. The Bible records that he says that they were just, he was counting them as dung. That's poop. He was counting them as nothing. So that he may attain the reason, the purpose for which he was captured by Christ. That's awesome. And we are all Christians. I believe that most people who tune into Bible study or come in for Bible study, they are believers who have accepted Christ into their lives. So whether you are one year old in Christ, one day old in Christ, our heart cry should always be that I may know him. Because you want to get into a deeper fellowship. It's awesome, a deeper relationship with him. The more you know somebody, uh, the better you can speak on their behalf. Some things happened recently, a few months ago, and... Um, I said some things. So I was talking, I have two sisters. I was talking with one of them. And she listened. She's much younger than I am. She couldn't say a word to me. She called my other younger sister who was next to me and said, I don't like the way Auntie Gladys is speaking. That's not her. Something is wrong. In fact, after talking with her, I started praying for her. Why would she know that something was wrong? To some other people, it, they didn't know me that much, so they wouldn't know that something was amiss. She knew something was wrong because we grew up in the same house till I got married. She was born into that same home till I got married, so she knows me because she has a relationship with me. How much of God do we know? So much so that when Satan throws some things at us, 
We say, "Mm mm-mm, that's not God. That's not the God that I serve because I know him. How much of God do you know? So much so that when somebody is saying something that is contrary to God, you can tell that even in your spirit you can say, "Mm mm-mm, no, that's not God. I know God. I know him. Just like God said about Abraham, he said, I know him because he will command his children. How much of God do you know? We sang a song that says, he knows me. He knows my name. He knows everything about me. How much of him do we know? We need to ask ourselves those questions. Because the more of God we know, the more confidently we can deal with every attack that, we, that comes against us. We can say, uh-uh, no, that's not, that's not the character of God. And I'm not going to accept it. We can stand our ground. We can say, no, at all. We are not allowing the enemy to take hold of us. What does it mean to know God? Knowing God means to understand Him, to acknowledge Him, to acknowledge Him in all your ways, acknowledge Him in everything, no matter how small it is. Acknowledge Him, know Him, and to go through an experience means to know. I I was just looking at the dictionary. That's where I got all that from. In fact, it was a bunch of words they used. To understand, to perceive, to recognize, to appreciate, that is, appreciate who God is, to behold, to conceive, to discern, to, to register, to, um, to be certain, to be sure that this is, you know, God. Jeremiah 9, 24 will tell us, why would Paul, with all his understanding of God, with all that he has done walking with God, why would he come to a place where he's saying that I may know him and the power of his resurrection? Jeremiah 29, I mean chapter 9, 23 and 24. He says, Thus says the Lord, Let no one who is wise and skillful boast in his insight, Let not the one who is mighty and powerful boast in his strength. Let not the one who is rich boast in his temporal satisfaction and earthly abundance. But let the one who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That is, and acknowledges me and honors me as God and recognizes without any doubt. Which means sometimes you could recognize that God is there, but when you face situations, then doubt starts to come in that, is he truly God? And sometimes we ask these questions, why me? God, why would you allow this? I'm a tighter, I'm a this, I'm a that. We ask those questions in the natural. But when we know God, then we will refrain from such things. It says, that I am the Lord who practices loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. So whoever is going to boast, God says you are allowed to boast, but let the boasting be in the fact that you know him, that you acknowledge him, and you know him as the true God, the only God that is able to deliver. He's the only God. There is no other one like him. Uh, there's a songwriter that says he has searched through all eternity and he has found nobody. And there is none. I'm telling you, 
If there was another God, people would have discovered it. There's no other God. There's none. All the ones they make, they mold and all that. You mold the God and put the God there. You remember Dagon and all that? They all will collapse in front of the true God. So this is the only true God. And Paul was yearning to know him more, despite all his achievement and all that he has, you know, has, has um, accomplished in Christ. We're going to look at a story in the Bible. The story of Zacchaeus is one of my very sweet stories. Uh, it's in Luke uh, chapter 19, 1 to 9. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. Which means, in those days, he was like a sinner. And he was rich. He was a sinner, but he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus for who he was, and could not for the press. Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus for who he was. He wanted to see Jesus just for who he was. What that tells me that he was hearing about Jesus. As the people all around him, they were all saying, Oh, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He heard the name Jesus. He heard testimonies from people. He knew that they were all like chanting the name of Jesus. Miracles were happening. Things were going on in the community. And of course, you know, uh, my mom usually says that the, uh, the person who will give you food might be scarce, but the people that will give you stories, there are so many of them. So <laughs> the stories of the things that Jesus was doing was all over town. So Zacchaeus heard about Jesus. But at this point in time in his life, he says he wanted to see Jesus for who he was. He wanted to put a face to Jesus. He wanted to, but there was a problem. He could not for the press. He could not because of the people. He could not see Jesus because of the pressures of life. He could not see Jesus in his situation because of the things that were surrounding him. It could be family issues. It could be friends it could be your own personal situation that is preventing you from seeing Jesus in your situation. But he sought. The Bible said he sought. When you are seeking something, you're not just going like the kids go. I can't find my headphone. I can't find my this. They're not seeking for it. They're not looking for it. He sought he was looking for Jesus. He was looking for Jesus. In fact, he looked for Jesus so much so that the Bible records that he ran ahead. He heard that Jesus was going that way. And he ran ahead, ahead so that he could climb up a tree, a sycamore tree. He could climb so he could just see Jesus. He says, he sought to see Jesus for who he was. And could not for the press because he was little of stature like me. He could not see Jesus because he was not a tall person. So I don't know what's making you not see Jesus in your situation. I really don't know what is making Jesus to be uh, crowded out, if that's a word. That is, there are so many people surrounding him that you can't see Jesus. 
or your situation is beclouding your eyes that you can't see Jesus in your situation. He says, And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Where is Jesus passing by for you? The Bible says that he knew, he heard that Jesus was going to pass by a place. And he decided that I'm not just going to sit down here and say, I want to really see Jesus for who he is. He sought after Jesus. He ran and climbed up a tree. I don't know how to climb. Maybe I would not have been able to see him. But he climbed up that tree. And in that tree, Jesus may not have seen him. But where I'm going to is that Jesus knew he was on that tree. And when Jesus got under that tree, Jesus looked up and said, Come down. Today, I'm coming to your home. So, sometimes we think Jesus is not aware of where we are and how we are seeking him, to know him more. But he's so aware that even Zacchaeus that had never met him, that had never had an encounter with him, the day he climbed on that tree, Jesus stood do you know what it means for a crowd to be following you and then you get to one place because one short guy was up in the, in the tree. You stop. The people that were thronging him, they probably were not as eager to really meet him one-on-one. Zacchaeus was eager to meet him. I wanted to see Jesus for who he is. I don't want to see Jesus just because the people are saying Jesus is passing by. I want to have a personal encounter with him. He desired an encounter with Jesus. He desired to know Jesus more. Not just as an acquaintance that, oh, you know, sometimes you work with people, you don't even know anything about them. Some of your colleagues at work will tell you, I didn't come here to make friends. I've heard that over and over again in the U.S. In fact, if you leave a job, I had a friend who used to have so many friends. When she had some little parties from job, they would come, from the, the job, many of them would come. The day she left that job, and it was a very nice job, the day she left that job, that was bye. None of those people ever came to the next function she had. And I asked her, where are those your friends from? She said, well, you know, this is America. People don't make friends. They just have colleagues at work. It wasn't an acquaintance that Zacchaeus was looking for. He was looking for Jesus, the Savior of the world. He was looking for the Messiah. He wanted to see the Messiah for who he was, not for what people said about him. And he came down and Jesus said, of course, there was grumbling. People were grumbling and like, oh, this is a sinner man. You're going to go to his house. Jesus didn't care because he knew that that encounter with Zacchaeus was going to produce something different. And if you go on to read that story, that same chapter, Zacchaeus started saying, I'm going to give. He got converted. I'm going to, he was restituting, not just repenting. Repentance is one thing. Restituting means you're going to give back the things that you have stolen, give back the things that you have taken wrongly. Zacchaeus was willing to do that because he had an encounter with the Most High God. If you read this same verse in the message, I want to take one word from there. It says, Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name Zacchaeus, the head taxman and quite rich. He wanted desperately, that's the word, desperately to see Jesus. 
How desperate are we to see Jesus in our lives, in our situations? Because sometimes the situations could really overshadow Jesus. And it shouldn't be. Because once you can see Jesus, once you can know that he is in that situation with you, it just takes the stress. And that's why you can see Pastor Goodluck walking around and doing the things that he needs to do because he can see Jesus in his situation. And I want to implore us tonight, I mean every one of us, to always make sure that no matter what we're going through, we see Jesus in it. We know him, that he is there. He says he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's even enough to just know that he is in that situation with us, whatever it is. I mean, I know everybody has their own. If you're a Christian and you don't have anything that you're battling, just keep being a Christian. You will get something. <laughs> Something's going to come up. Now, let's quickly go to what are those things that hinder us from knowing God? I've talked about some of them. You have to give up stuff in pursuit of God. Like Paul said, I had to give up everything I knew. All the accolades, all the things he knew. His birthright, he gave everything up so he can gain Christ. So he can win Christ. Your work, your life. Do not let the situations that you go through change your pursuit of God. Always know whenever those things start to crowd you and you can't pray, you can't do anything, know that the devil is trying to get you completely out of focus so that he can really deal a bad blow to you. And you don't want that. Your family and your friends, sometimes you're going through some things and some people are telling you, are you the only one? I mean, you're a Christian. Why would the Jesus that you say you're serving? Your family can tell you that. Your friends can tell you that. Even if they don't tell you that, they just laugh when you say, oh, I know Jesus is going to... They're saying, is it not the same Jesus she's been calling forever? We haven't seen any difference. But guess what? You know your God, and you know who He is and how He's taking care of you. Forget about the noise. Zacchaeus forgot about that noise and climbed on the tree. I'm sure some people were laughing. Oh, short man, you're on the tree. But they didn't get to, to host Jesus in their home. He got to host. How many people did Jesus visit? There were very few homes he visited. But he went to Zacchaeus' home because there was a desire, a desperation in Zacchaeus to see Jesus. Sometimes we have this idea that we don't have time. My job my this, my that. In fact, if you ask God, I don't care what job you do. If you ask God to give you the opportunity to actually fellowship with him and know him, he will make that way. Uh, I used to work Sundays. I used to work Saturdays, Sundays. Every day I was working. Initially, I used to pick my job based on the day so I could come to church on Wednesdays and Sundays. Then I had this job. Some new person just came and decided that, okay, we're going to run on call this way now. One week, everybody, you, you're going to be on call one week, and then the next week you, you'll not be on call. And what that meant for me was no church for that one week that I was on call. And I started praying. I said, God, I don't want to miss church like this. I, I don't know, but I feel that coming to church 
is a great thing. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of one another. It's a place where you get strength. People you, that of like-minded passion, they, they come around you. They speak the word over you. You speak the word to them. And when the devil wants to start taking that off you, then you know there's a problem. So I said, God, I don't like this new thing that my manager and all of them had come up with. I need a different job. I'm not going to fight them, but I can get another job. And I started praying. I just called a friend and said, hey, are you guys hiring this and that? And she said, oh, yeah. You want to leave there? I said, yeah. She said, come on. And before I knew it, I was interviewed and I got a Monday through Friday job, 8 to 5. I just said, oh, God, thank you. This was some years back. And I left that job. Because I had at the back of my mind that I did not want a job that would make me miss church, that would make me... I have many friends that are stuck in jobs like that because of our profession. But I told God, I don't want to miss church. And I... So don't talk about time management. Even when you think you don't have the time, even at those jobs that look like you don't have the time, nobody stops you from praying in tongues. Nobody stops you from praying at your desk. You can pray. You can pray at any time. So don't say because uh, this my job is not letting me. No. All that time that the people are talking trash and things that you shouldn't be involved in, don't, don't involve yourself in it. You don't have to. Just pray. Use that time to commune with God. Talk to God. You have a God that they don't have. And that's why they can say the things that they say. In fact, after a while, when they know you, there are certain things that they will not say in front of you because they know that somehow the spirit of god around you inside of you lets them know that Mm-mm, she's not going to laugh at those jokes so don't bother don't I, my colleagues at my new job when before the pandemic we used to go for what they call we'll go for team meetings and they will make sure that the team meetings are at a place where they can drink on a friday and then we gather there and i say gladys what do you want? Oh, no, no, just give her soda, water, just give her something. You know, they laugh at me like that. But they know I would not participate in that. And I saw some that were professed Christians that were participating. And I felt, okay, this is my assignment. I will be praying for these ones and I will be talking to them. But at least they know where I stand. I'm not going to join them in drinking and kikiyaking. The kik- when I finish drinking my soda... I move. In fact, sometimes after the meeting, I say, girls, I need to go. Bye. I'll see you guys later. Bye. And they're not going to kill me for that. So take your stand so that they know where you stand. But when they don't know, they're going to push things at you. And then you feel obliged to, to do what they're doing. No. You need to stand your ground as a Christian. Now, you manage your time. Whatever time you have. You can pray. You're doing the laundry, you can pray. You're doing, but you need to also create that time that makes it, if it's every 5 a.m., maybe you go to work at 6. Every 5 a.m., you want to commune with God. Because the more you pray, you know God better. Because when you see God, you ask today, God, I have a headache, I want you to heal me. And He heals that, then you know Him as a healer. God, I need one dollar. And then He shows up with ten dollars then you see him as a provider. That Jehovah Jireh, yes, he can provide because I have tried him. He has done. But when you, you are not praying about anything, you're not asking God for anything, you're just doing, somebody was saying, um, some of us do, do Christ like we just come and we're doing survey. 
inside the church. We write down stuff. We just pack our notes back home and you never open those notes. How do you know that? The Berean Christians, those people, they heard the word. They went back home. They read through it. And the Bible records, I I think we'll get there somewhere. The Bible records in Acts chapter 10 that they, because they, they went back, therefore many of them believed. Not because of what they heard in church. Not because of what they heard pastor preach or anybody preach at them. They went back home. They read it. Therefore, they believed. And you know what happens when you believe? That's faith. You believe and those things, you now start seeing them. Because sometimes many of us know how to shout, preach it, it's done, it is well, it is... Is it really well? One day I was standing here and a worship session was going on. They were singing some songs. And the Holy Spirit said, if you can just... These songs, don't take them as just mere songs that were coming out of their mouth. Basically, see them as your warfare songs. Take them literally the way they mean and stand on it. And I stood on the word. They were singing. It was just their singing. Oh, I did not sing with them. I was just listening to the song and declaring the words that they were singing and believing that God will come through for me. And he did. He did. Singing. So don't even say, I'm going to come to church after praise and worship. What's that? I'm, uh, uh, let, them, uh, let, them, let them praise. I will meet them. What? What's that? That's part of the worship. So if you know God, you will know that coming inside here, even during praise and worship, is communing with God. It's not just the word. Praise the Lord. So how do we know him? We seek him. Just like Zacchaeus sought him, we seek him. Um, Psalm 42 verse 1 says, As the deer pants for the waters, for, we'll read it from uh, the message. Or, yeah, or from the Amplified. We can read it from the Amplified. As the deer pants longingly for the water brooks, so my soul pants longingly for you, O God. My soul my life, my inner self thirst for God, for the living God. When will I come to see the face of God? You seek Him. You pant for Him. You run after Him. You are not just going to sit down and say, I've been in church on Sunday, Wednesday. I read my Bible. Pastor said we should read Romans. I read my two chapters. You seek Him. How do you seek Him? You meditate on the Word. You study the Word. You, you chew the Word. They, they, they talk about these animals that chew their grass and then regurgitate and chew it again and again. You go over the scripture. The one that really jumps out at you, look at it. It says, the scriptures, when, when God was, um, uh, Paul was talking about Timothy, in 2 Timothy uh, 3, 15, 16, he said, you, you have been, it's like the word, they, they bet you inside the word. The word has been handed over to you. And it says, and from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make the scriptures are able to make you to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness so every scripture you pick up to read there is something to gain from it And the essence, the whole reason of you knowing the scripture is not to memorize and be able to quote. In children's church, I'm teaching them how to memorize the scriptures. 
how to memorize. I try to teach them how to understand why we have that scripture. But I'm believing God that as these children grow up, if they face situations that life throws at them, those scriptures that they have memorized will come back to them and they will be able to use them to fight a good warfare. So if Timothy, Paul was addressing, he was already a grown man. He was telling him that these scriptures that your grandmother, your mother, they have deposited inside of you, he says they are able to make the wise. You want to be wise? You want to know God. And to know God is to study the word, to seek him and study the word. Know the word. When you study, sometimes you can study for an exam. You just memorize the things. And American exams are really sweet. It's just check, 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 check. They hardly ever do writing. I look at my children I say, and you're complaining. This, this is not nothing. I will get straight A's with this. And they say, oh, uh, that's then. That's the, keep talking about Africa. I said, I will get straight A's with this. Because this is what we call tumbu tumbu baskelebe. You, <laughs> you, you pick one. One out of these four answer choices. If you're smart enough, you'll be able to eliminate two before you even look at the question properly. And then within those two, if you do A, B, C, O, oh, O, oh, okay, I pick this. By the time you finish, you should pass that exam. But what we are talking about, the studying of God, God's word, is not that kind of, you need to know. You want to know him. You want to really understand why is God saying what he's saying? What are the benefits of me doing this? Okay, what are the consequences of me not doing this commandment that God has asked me to do? You know, and that helps you to know him better. And the more you know him, the more grounded you are. Prayers. Uh, Noja talked about prayers last week, about praying, expanding your base. And I just want to emphasize that it's not a one-way street. When you say prayer, uh, it's not just you talking to God. God talks to you too. So you've got to wait. You wait. We, I mean, sometimes we're in a hurry. But the, the, the things we get from waiting would help you not to even waste your time doing some other things. Because some things that you think will be the right way to go may not be the right way for God at that time. So if you wait on the Lord and He gives you clear direction about that thing, then the people that ran away before to go fix something that is not, it's like you not looking at the manual, and men are very guilty of that. Uh, when they buy a new device, they don't want to look at the manual. They say, I can fix it. Then you see the woman carrying the manual and saying, okay, they said to put A to B. The guy is saying, don't worry about that. I, I know it, I know it. And then it gets to a dead end. And then he now says, okay, bring that manual. Let me look at it. <laughs> Guys, read the manual. Our manual is the Bible. Don't just go by what people said. Go by what is in the scriptures. What is God saying to you? Personally, in your encounter with God about a situation, what is God saying to you? What is the right way to go? So prayers is important in us knowing God, being conscious of his presence, knowing that he is with you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Know that inside of you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, in that situation, he is there with you. Then, after knowing all this, it's not enough for us to just sit down and warm the benches. Pastor keeps talking about going to Africa, going to Asia, going to this, going to that. Okay. 
We haven't gone yet. We are there on TV now. We haven't physically gone yet. But you have your own Jerusalem around you. How many people in your family, number one, are not saved? Take that up in prayers. And God will begin to open your eyes to see how to assess that person. If you have family members that are not saved, I do. If you have family, there should be your prayer point. You should be talking to God about them. One. Then your workplace. How many people are not saved? Because the more people are saved, then the more we can change. All this government thing that we are shouting, they are changing the rules, they are doing this, they are doing that. Imagine if it was a Christian that was there. If it was a born-again, spirit-filled child of God. They will not bring laws that would be contrary to the word of God. They will bring laws that would be in line with the word of God. So, what are we talking about? So, the more people we get saved, the more our agenda as Christians will go forward. So, what are we doing? The neighbor next door, do they know Christ? And it's all just, you pick up their newspaper, if they are people that get newspaper and knock on their door. I saw your newspaper on the grass. Is it okay? Take. It's an elderly woman next door to me. She hardly comes out. If you do that, after you start having a conversation and you're able to talk about Christ to them. Your neighbors at work, your neighbors at the store, you're, you're rolling your cart. They need help. I've been, I've been um, when we first came to this country, uh, my husband and I were in, I think, H-E-B, somewhere in the southwest. We were about to buy stuff. The boys were in the cart. They were little then. They were like 18 months. We were about to buy stuff. And the guy that was behind me saw that I was taking some things out because I felt the money I had would not pay for it. And he said to the cashier, let them have everything. I will pay for everything. I looked at him. I said, why? Why are you doing that? He said, I just want to pay. I feel led to pay. And he asked after that, do you know because of that, he had access to us. He said, do you guys know Christ? And we said, yes. So we were happy. That he was a Christian. Assuming that I was not a Christian that day. Do you know I would have to stand and listen. He just paid for my groceries. I mean I would have to stand and listen. So you need to open your eyes. God might be leading you to do something for someone. That's going to open the door for you to be able to talk to them about Christ. It could be at a restaurant. It could be that cashier. It could be that uh, the waiter at the restaurant. You're paying and you're attaching a, a, a tract or something and you're giving them $20 tip. You give them that $20 tip for $10 food. That person is going to go read that tract because he's going to say, whatever is making this person that is following this Jesus to be able to give me $20, I want to know this Jesus. Let me read what he gave me or she gave me. So think outside of the box. Knowing God makes you think outside of the normal thing. And then people come to help you. Don't let them it help you clean your house. Don't let them go. They say, okay, pay $100. Okay, that's fine. Pay them the $100. But reach out to them. Touch them with something that, you know they are in a level where $100 is big money. Give them something that would even increase that. And then you have access to them. I'm not saying pay every time extra. But be sensitive to when God is asking you to do stuff like that. So, you become Jesus' hands and feet. When you know God, then you really want to reach other people. But when you don't know Him, you don't care how many people are going to hell, you just feel, I'm okay, I'm going to heaven, I'm fine, I know Jesus, and when Jesus comes, 
um, of, of this earth. What are the benefits of knowing God? Daniel chapter 11, 32b. The Bible says, But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Only the people that know their God. Con- contrary to that scripture, the people who don't know their God shall be weak and do nothing. So think about it. If you know God, then you will be strong and you will do so much. So much damage to the kingdom of Satan. So much damage to all his works around you that they will not even have a place. There will be no placement for them. You will do exploits for the kingdom of God. You will do so much. How many of us want to do great things? We hear about Kenneth Hagin. We hear about all these big men of God. And you're wondering, they, had, they are just regular people like us. Even, I'm, I'm taking it down to earth now. These are people that, at least I grew up reading Kenneth Hagin. I grew up knowing that he existed. So it's not just Bible story. It, there are people that lived on it. Lester Sumrall and people like that. These are people that walked with God. People who walked with God and they demonstrated faith at such a, such a big level that sometimes you think, okay, are we all going to this same heaven? What am I going to show that I have done for God? You will do exploits when you know God. That's what the Bible says. Psalm 46 verse 10 Peace comes to you. You have peace when you know God. That means when the enemy tries to, you know, create a, a, a troubled storm around you, because you know God, you can calm down and say, I know him. He's taking care of this. Regardless of what the storm looks like, I know. And that's what the Bible says in Psalm 46 verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the hidden." I will be exalted in the earth. He will be lifted up. No matter what you are going through, just have at the back of your mind that God will be exalted. God will be lifted up regardless of what's coming your way, what you're going through. God will be exalted at the end. And you know, there are some things that does not exalt God. Somebody dying an untimely death is not exalting God. Somebody being sick is not exalting God. Somebody being in a car crash is not exalting God. But when you have at the back of your mind that regardless of all this drama that the enemy is doing around me, God will be exalted. God will be honored in my life. You have that at the back of your mind that God is with you. And the only way you know that is because you know Him. So you want to really press in to know Him. Press in to know Him in your quiet time, in, in your home, in your job. You want to know the mind of God. You want to know Him more than what people are saying. And when you know Him, He equips you. He, he, he makes you ready for that work. When you look at 2 Timothy 3.17, the Bible says, the reason why Timothy was getting all that, all that knowledge from the Word of God the Bible says, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the reason. So the reason you are knowing God is so that you can be equipped. So that means if, if I don't know God, if I don't know His Word, if I'm not prayed up, then I'm not going to be equipped for the assignment. And nobody's going to give you 
God is not going to give you an assignment that he wants you to fail at. He gives you an assignment that he knows you are able to do. But if you do not take time to know him and really, I mean, this knowing God, if you don't take time to delve and, and wait upon him and know him, then you don't know anything about him. Uh, some of my uh, friends, they can say they know me, but they really may not really know me. But if my husband says I know her, then people better believe that he knows me. If I say I know my husband, they better believe that I know him. Even his siblings may not know him as well as I know him. I don't think they even do. So God knows us so much. So some people, you, you might be thinking, I know God. Hmm, God. God is good all the time. You know, because everybody's shouting God is good. Has God been good to you? Do you know it? Uh, there's a song in um, a native language in, in Nigeria that says, only those who can think deeply can really praise God. It's not the praise that we just do because everybody's lifting up holy hands we are. But if you think deeply, I was listening to a worshiper yesterday. She was leading a worship session uh, on YouTube. And it was so awesome. The kind of things I never thought about thinking about God with. She just started talking about God. I mean, it wasn't even a song. She was just talking about God and giving him accolades of the things that I could never have thought about God. You know, the greatness of God. She was, and you know what that left me with? I said, this girl has really thought deeply. Even scriptures that would not have naturally led to a praise session, this girl took those scriptures and said, you are the God that did this. You are the God that did that. You are the God that did this. She brought them all to play. You know what has happened? She knows God by those names. She knows God by her studying that word, dwelling on it, and she has come to acknowledge that even these things that people cannot say, that it is you that did it, I can see your hand at work. So in our lives as individuals, that's Bible. In our lives as individuals, what have you seen the hand of God doing in your life? You only see those things because you know Him. So if you think deeply, you will be able to acknowledge God and say, Ah, God, I'm grateful. You did this, you did that, you did this in my life, you brought me out of this. Even to some other person, it might look like something very simple, very small, but to you, it is you knowing God the more because you've come to acknowledge Him as your healer. I remember people say, in church when I'm praising God I haven't even praised God enough here when I'm praising God I'm always dancing and jumping all over the place and one time in this church I couldn't breathe well I wasn't breathing well I was I would want to talk and everything would just choke up I went to the ER for that they couldn't find anything they did run every test allergy test nothing but I just couldn't talk I came here it was prayer time. Then we used to, they used to call people out. I came out and uh, Pastor Goodluck was the one that prayed for me, asked me what was wrong. I told him and he agreed with me. I didn't notice that thing again. And I didn't even realize it until towards the end of the week. That was a Sunday. I just realized that, oh, I was breathing okay. So I said, oh, the devil is a liar. 
Every day I will praise the Lord because I have known Him as my healer. Every day I will jump. So when I sometimes even feel weak, that okay, maybe I should just sit there. I say, no. When the devil almost shut me up, God saved me. He healed me. I will jump up and start praising God. When you know God as a healer, you will jump up and praise Him. When you know Him as a provider, you will praise Him. And I don't even want to go into that. I have seen God providing for every need that I have. So when you know God as, as, as a provider, you will praise Him differently. So who do you know God to be? I told you about the girl that was singing and praising God. That's who she knows God to be. As individuals, who do we know God to be? I just want us to bow down our heads and talk to God. Whoever you know him to be, call him by that name tonight. Talk to him. Tell him that you want to know him more. You want to walk in his ways. You want to understand him better every day. Father, I want to know you more. Father, we desire you, O God. We don't just want to know you as the noise of the crowd. We want to know you in a personal way. Help us, O God. Teach us your ways. Help us to create time for you. To seek you, O God. Even when the world is running away from you. Lord, let us come towards you. Run towards you every day of our lives. Help us, O God, to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.